Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Abriana Lopez. All right, we are back with your favorite podcast of the week. This is episode number 422 of This Week in Location-Based Marketing. And uh, yeah, we're excited to bring you yet another show, three industry news stories, three member news stories, even some research uh, we're featuring in the middle from uh, our good friend Abriana's uh, favorite company. And uh, yeah, um, how's things uh, for you, Abriana? Things are good. Summer, it's hot. Yeah. Same old, how are things for you? Things are good. I'm on vacation right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in in Myrtle Beach so yeah uh it's exciting and getting some golf in and all that and uh yeah super fun times so um yeah we'll just uh let's just jump into it um and as usual I'll let you kick it off uh, with a interesting story yeah this is pretty interesting so there's a coalition that has been formed called um uh, the Voice Coalition, and it has been launched. It has been launched by the World Federation of Advertisers, um, in partnership with Fast Up Partners, um, and it's kind of spearheaded by Mastercard. So obviously, this is all centered around voice and technology within voice. Um, but it's really the specific, I guess, goal of this coalition is to help brands understand more about the impact that voice will have on shopping, consumer behavior. Um, you know how how people and brands are going to be interacting um, in the future. So what's interesting is we've kind of been seeing this a little bit with MasterCard. Um, They've been sort of gradually investing in this area. So they introduced something called a Sonic brand, which is a trademark sound that's now used across all of MasterCard's marketing and point of sale. Um, And so just a a couple weeks ago, June 17th, they launched their first it was uh, Amazon and Google smart speakers, their first voice assistant skills for both of those options. So obviously they're, you know, they're interested in this area. Um, and there's a reason for that. Some interesting numbers to correlate with this, uh, you know, rise in voice is that they did a, a survey of 1500 people in the U S and the UK. And the survey found that 35% um, of people used voice to check prices. used it to add items to their shopping list and 18% used it to add items to their cart or basket. Um, And then 15% have gone on to use it to make a purchase and they're expecting that to continue to grow. Um, So really this is just kind of more of like a research group, understanding group, you know, staying on the forefront of technology and MasterCard obviously wants to be involved in this. You know, I think this is interesting. It's nothing groundbreaking. There's like a working group and a coalition. It seems like for everything you see that within location data, uh, you know, with the IAB working group or privacy groups or all of these different groups that are coming out. But, you know, I think it is voice is a little bit different because the implications of it are sort of yet to be seen. Um, and I think brands and, uh, you know, payment companies and everybody's trying to figure out how is this going to uh, be applied to their, you know, their ecosystem and their economy and, you know, how can they make sure that they're ready to be able to use voice um, to get more money? Yeah, I, I think this is, uh, it obviously speaks to a massive trend that we've been talking about uh, at the LBMA for some time now um, in, in the use of voice technology. And, you know, obviously last uh, in April at Retail Loca, we had a whole panel on kind of innovations in, in search and uh, marketing and, and uh, 
voice was a huge part of that discussion. And, uh, you know, we see the advent of, of Alexa and Google Home and Siri and, you know, how that's moving into the uh, connected car environment and how that's moving into our home environments, how people are increasingly using that uh, to add things to shopping carts and to lists and, and so on. Um, and, uh, you know, even guys like Target uh, are, you know, already doing voice enabled coupons uh, for shopping. And so, so there's a lot going on in this, in, in this movement. And, you know, the World Federation of Advertisers uh, said that 55% uh, of, of their members uh, say voice is going to be big for them this year. Um, like, so, I mean, we know that it's a massive, uh, it's a massive movement. And I don't think this is one where it's just going to be a fad. It, it's, you know, voice is so convenient. Uh, it, it's, it's like text, you know, we use it every day. We speak all the time. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, it makes sense for people to be able to just speak to their assistant, uh, virtual assistant or, um, you know, uh, to their car uh, system or whatever the kind of, it might, it might be that's convenient at that particular time to, to, to place an order or to facilitate a purchase or to add something to their shopping list or whatever the case might be. So, um, you know, I, 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 for me, the most interesting thing here is that MasterCard's the one driving this, um, and not, you know, a coalition of Google and Amazon and, and, you know, you know, other players like that. Uh, and yet, you know, they're the ones who are going to benefit from this, you know, just as much, I think. So, uh, good for MasterCard for taking the lead in the initiative, but um, yeah, I, you know, this is this is one that's you know in its infancy. It's not going to stop, and, and voices is going to be huge. So uh, yeah, I like it. Mm -hmm. All right, moving on to our second story now. Um, this is uh, a company that I was not familiar with. I have to say, uh, it's called uh, Cherry Picks. That's one word. Um, uh, P i c k s. Cherry, as in the thing you eat. Um, and, uh, this is a company out of Hong Kong and they are, they have a, a, a Bluetooth, uh, beacon based platform, um, that, uh, they're using in, in large, uh, format venues like airports in particular, uh, to provide a service to travelers. Um, and, uh, I love this because, uh, it's not just finding your way around the airport. Like a lot of these things that we've talked about. Uh, over the years, uh, part of what they're doing is providing real-time translation services. So basically, um, the company's been around since 2000, and um, they use augmented reality layered on top of, of the Beacon technology. So basically, if you're a traveler and you're in um, Hong Kong International Airport, uh, where this is up and running right now, you can hold up your phone uh, over a sign and basically the check, the text is translated, uh, into your preferred language in real time. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, and, and at the same time you, you can use the app for navigation, uh, you know, throughout the airport, um, in terms of everything's mapped and, and so on. Uh, we've talked about those types of services before, but I like this combination of mapping, um, and, uh, and, and translation services. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, they're also going to deploy the service at uh, Fuzhou International Airport, uh, which is in China, and they're in talks with uh, several other Chinese airports. Um, and um, in addition to sort of just the service it provides to consumers in terms of navigation and translation, they also have data that they collect around this. So they can provide to the airport itself uh, things like passenger traffic uh, data flow, uh, customer shopping habits, uh, how much time people are spending in particular stores, dwell time, things like that. 
um, and you know, pattern analysis. So, um, so it, it, it's both providing value to the consumer public as well as providing value to the airport in terms of, of data analytics. So uh, I think this is really cool. I, I really like what these guys are doing. Um, obviously, we've seen tons of these types of airport mapping platforms in the past. We have many member companies who provided those services uh, over the years. Uh, for example, uh, the guys at Indoors, um, uh, you know, provide that at, at San Francisco Airport and, and others that we've we've done over the years. But I love this mashup of providing a consumer service translation service on top of that, and then also data analytics to the uh, to the airport itself. So uh, yeah, very cool, very interesting. Yeah, I like this play a lot. You know, something that I have thought more about recently is that, you know, Atlanta is like the busiest airport in the world and I know it pretty well and I can navigate it pretty well, but there's still some things, you know, when I travel with my kids, like where's the elevator because I have a stroller, you know, that I have to find again or, you know, things of that nature. And then I think about how complicated it would be with people who don't really speak English very well and there's really not any alternative signage there until you when you get on the baggage train you know the the plane train like that's when you can yeah. kind of see you have a, some other languages that are available there but it's still it's just not very clear and you know recently we had an au pair come from Ecuador so she comes from this small town in Ecuador and you know her first interaction here in the U.S. is like Atlanta Hartsville Jackson Airport and that's yeah. insane so you know we're waiting for her for like an hour like oh my god is she okay I have no way of like communicating with her we're just like waiting there holding a sign so I think that this is such a needed thing um, and I think that it's expandable too right so you think about yes high traffic areas like airports but what about driving navigation as well like integrating something like this within ways or something so um, you know when people come and they're driving, there's a lot of signs that translate pretty easily, like red means stop, stop sign means stop, green means go, yield means yield. But then there's a lot of smaller signs and even things that are just like, even if they are in the same language that are going to be different, like with Canada and America, I'm sure that there's very different street signs. And we know like if I go to UK, it's going to be different. So, you know, like the right hand turn must yield to the U-turn or whatever, you know, those are things that you're like, I don't really know what that's saying. So I think that there's so many different areas that this could be brought into. And we know that people are traveling now more than ever where, you know, people want to get out and see the world more and more people um, of different, you know, countries are coming to the U S to visit. And so we want to make it as accommodating as possible for them. And, and also just for like a, flow, you know, traffic flow, city flow, anything like that, I think being able to help navigate people um, is a win. And obviously being able to provide those analytics and that data back to the airport or whoever's making money off of those things um, can be very valuable as well. So I like it. I, yeah. And, and and these guys aren't limiting it to airports. They've already got installations in China and in shopping malls and train stations and, and they're, you know, rolling this out into many other places. And, and, you know, as I think about the data analytics piece of this, you know, obviously China is a whole different, you know, uh, you know, market than say North America or Europe in terms of privacy and so on. We know the penetration of facial recognition and cameras that are going on over there. We've talked a lot about that on this show. Um, so think about, you know, layering that into, you know, something like this in terms of data, you know, for the, for the, uh, for the, the venues, the providers as well. So I love it. I think, I think this is really, really cool. Um, so check it out. If you're in Hong Kong or you're in China somewhere, look for cherry picks and uh, in one of these venues and 
yeah, I hope uh, hope they expand this into other markets. Uh, you know, we'd love to chat with them about what we're doing in you know in neighboring countries like Japan or or Singapore or other other places. So, yeah. All right. Um, over to you. Okay. <laughs> so um, this is an interesting partnership. There is a um, an Ohio. It's Ohio's leading family-owned convenience store. It's called Friendship. Um, or, you know, I think it's called like Friendship Kitchen. And they've teamed up with Patronics to drive loyalty. Um, so Patronics, if you're not familiar with them, they are a, they provide loyalty programs and customer engagement solutions for restaurants, retail chains, and convenience stores. Um, so Friendship, they, they've in integrated this um, Patronics loyalty program and what they've seen just in the past few months is some pretty impressive numbers. So I'll go through some of them. Um, they've increased their in-store visits by 5%. They've seen gas purchase prices jump 18%. Uh, that's a pretty big, big number there. And they've also more than doubled the percentage of loyalty transactions and sales um, that they got, uh, as well as obviously gaining a deeper understanding of who their customers are, the audience segments, um, you know, having more customer engagement, all of those things that come along with loyalty. So um, Patronics helped launch their loyalty program that promoted the brand connections with the guests. Um, and then within a year, they've seen more than 15% of those transactions are from program members. And one store in particular achieved 28.5% member transactions in less than three months after launch. So Obviously some big numbers there. Um, I don't know if it has to do with like, there is a loyalty to friendship in that specific region in Ohio, or, um, you know, this is just increasing more loyalty because they're, you know, driving people to go to that friendship convenience store. I would, I would say that it's similar to like a Wawa or a Sheets or something like that. Right. So you've got like the made to order kind of kitchen piece of it. And then you've got, you know, obviously like the gas pumps and everything else as well. So with a situation like that, you know, if you're giving people extra things, you know, to go across the street to friendship versus just going to get gas, um, you know, that might be what that changes and just that little piece of loyalty or those member offers, um, is, is enough to make people kind of go that little extra mile or maybe that literal extra mile, uh, to get yeah. to friendship. Yeah. So this is good. I mean, I think that with a lot of loyalty programs, it's hard to, it's hard to track. It's hard to say like what's being effective and what's not, but these are some pretty clear cut numbers. Um, and so this is a great success story, obviously for Patronics and, um, I'm sure friendship is happy as well. Yeah, no, I think this is the, the numbers speak for themselves. And, and you know, as, as you were talking, I was reminded of, um, you know, one of our, our uh, member companies, Mapco, uh, another gas convenience uh, retailer out of the Nashville uh, area. Uh, you know, we had done several test projects with them uh, over the years, uh, you know, where we put members together to run experiments. And, you know, the, the big thing in gas convenience, obviously, is you need to get the traffic to come into the actual store because there's, there's very little margin in the actual fuel uh, sale, right? So the idea is, is how do you get them when they're there, you know, filling their tank up with, with, uh, with gas to actually come in and buy higher margin items, whether that's, you know, coffee or cigarettes or lottery tickets or, you know, beer or whatever it is uh, that you're trying to sell, um, you know, and, or food for that matter. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, loyalty programs, you know, one area where you can see that big success in that is in that, in this category, right? I think, you, you know, you can do it really well. And obviously these guys are doing it really well at Friendship and, 
in, in working with Patronix. And I think it's, it is it is about integration into the till, into the transaction system and seamless. You have to make that seamless from a technology perspective. You know, when I remember one of the projects that we had done back in the day with, with, with Mapco was, you know, we had, we had integrated some, uh, audio uh hidden audio signals uh you know in the uh the music the, the music that was playing over the pumps uh with mood media and then we had put uh stickers on the pumps with uh, shazam telling people to get their shazam map out and shazam music that they were hearing and then it would create a call to action in the mobile device to then drive traffic into the store to say take this barcode in and scan it and you'll save 50 cents a gallon today but it, the idea was to drive the traffic in you know, and we, in that case, we teamed up those those different LBMA member companies to execute that. And I think here, what you see is is this idea of using loyalty to drive traffic. Um, and you know, I think the one thing that I still think is missing in this category, and you and I have talked about this before, is especially for moms, you know, or young families in general. You've got kids in the car. You you, you need gas. You pull into the gas station, and you're like, I don't want to take all my kids out of the car to go into the store. You know, there's got to be a way, maybe it's using voice commerce, uh, we just talked about, where, you know, you can order something uh, while you're there or on your way there uh, and then have it brought out to the car, um, you know, and, and get the loyalty points and get that transaction fulfilled all at the same time. Uh, have, have somebody run that out um, to make it even more convenient. So anyways, that's that's my rant on uh, gas. I love it. I like so, that stuff. So, all right. So that's our three industry news stories for this week. Before we jump into the member news, um, I just wanted to highlight a piece of research that just came out, uh, Digital Element, uh, Rihanna's uh, company, and um, uh, Mobile Marketing uh, Magazine have teamed up on a new white paper on uh, IP geolocation, basically talking about how, how IP location data is applicable for mobile local targeting. And um, yeah, so that's out now. Uh, you can find, you'll be able to find that on the LBMA research page, as well as you can just go to dig digitalelement.info forward slash mobile, and you can download that from there, digitalelement.info forward slash mobile, and you can pull it uh, down from there. Um, so anything you wanna say about that, Ariana? No, I mean, I think one of the key highlights of, uh, there's a lot of like really cool numbers in there, but from a mobile marketing perspective, the one that always resonates with me is that um, nearly 80% of mobile consumers are targetable via IP intelligence at a postal code level or beyond um, without any opt-ins necessary or without having to slow down that transaction pro process with a consumer. So um, I think that that's really important being able to reach consumers with context and deliver what you can to them in that, you know, very specific moment. And so, um, you know, whether that's in app or mobile web, it applies. And I think that there's some really cool stats around that. And if mobile marketing is your target and your thing, it's worth checking out. Yeah. And if, if you're watching the video, this is what it looks like. If you can see that there, <laughs> there you go. Check it out. All right, so yeah, digitalelement.info forward slash mobile or on the LBMA research page, you can get it uh, there as well. Uh, so take a look. All right, uh, over to our member news now. So I'll start this part off as usual uh, with a story from our good friends at Signify, um, LBMA member company, which used to be Philips uh, Lighting, um, and they rebranded their uh, uh, that part of the company part of Philips into a company called Signify uh, last year. 
And um, so what they've announced is a new uh, set of, uh, of uh, Li-Fi uh, lights, uh, as they call them, True Li-Fi is the brand. Uh, so if you're familiar with like the consumer Philips Hue light bulbs, you know, the ones that change colors and do all that kind of cool stuff, like my son wants like, you know, everything in his room to like be like 15 different colors and like to be able to control it from his mobile phone and all that. Um, think about that on a commercial scale now. Think about um, you know being able to beam data between a light bulb, um, you know, an energy efficient smart light bulb in a retail store uh, or in a mass merchandise environment like Walmart or something like that, um, and to be able to transmit data across that. And so what they're talking about with these new um, uh, light uh, light bulbs, light systems, is is transmitting internet data uh, capable of transmitting uh, data to devices like laptops at speeds of up to 150 megabits per second using light waves uh, rather than radio signals or Wi-Fi or things like that. Um, and so if you have a mobile device, uh, it's, it's even better because mobile devices have built in, like every smartphone today has uh, ability to uh, a sensor that reads light sensitivity and can receive the signals directly if you have, if you're talking about laptops or things like that, usually you have to plug in a USB dongle adapter in order to receive the signal. But the point is, is that, you know, in areas where there's uh, a lot of competing radio frequency signals or things like that, uh, you can bypass that using light transmissive uh, uh, signals is what they're talking about here. And, in, and uh, if you're going between um, two fixed points, uh, you can get data speeds of up to 250 megabits per second. So, so this is really game changing when it talks about the, the speed and the ability to transmit, you know, uh, big quantities of data uh, quickly. Um, obviously, they've been in this business for a while. We know smart lighting is something that uh, is growing by leaps and bounds. We cover it uh, as a category um, in our annual LBMA Global Location Trends Report. Uh, you see uh, big retailers uh, starting to roll out this type of lighting. I know, for example, Carrefour uh, has uh, several stores uh, over in Europe that are doing this. Uh, uh, Asda, which is Walmart in the UK, is doing some of this, uh, and we see several others, um, you know, starting to roll some of this kind of stuff out. So um, definitely, if you're an LBMA member, go look at the Global Location Trends Report. You'll see year-over-year uh, -year growth in, in this category of smart lighting. Um, but I think this type of innovation in terms of, uh, you know, the speeds at which you can transmit data, I think, uh, will help grow it even faster. So. Yeah, I mean, we are not a patient uh, society right now, so anything that can speed up our access to data, I think is um, always going to change the game and be you know, adopted really quickly, so very interesting. All right, uh, moving on to an Atlanta-based company, but not in Atlanta, Coca-Cola has teamed up with Publicis Italy, um, and they are trying to drive recycling, which is really interesting. So. Um, they are trying to boost the recycling efforts. Obviously, everything that you would buy from Coca-Cola either comes in plastic or aluminum at this point, to my knowledge. Uh, I mean, you can probably still find some glass Coca-Cola bottles, but even then, everything is recyclable. 
um, in most places, but they're running some outdoor ads now, including at a, a recent music festival in Italy. Um, well, actually they did a music festival in Bulgaria called the energy tour and the, these ads are running and they are basically like the classic Coca-Cola ribbon, which turns into a hand and points to the nearest recycling bin. Um, so at this energy tour in Bulgaria, they saw that nearly 85% of the bottles from the festivals were recycled. Um, maybe it's due to this advertising. They said it is higher than usual. I don't know what the usual rate was. They didn't quote that, but you know, obviously this is a great idea. Um, we want to save the planet as much as possible. So recycling is one of the many ways to do that. And Coke has also committed to all the bottles being recyclable by 2025. But I was trying to think, well, what bottles are not recyclable that they're selling right now? I don't know which ones, but that's interesting. Um, but also by 2030 that they are hopeful that for every bottle or can purchase, there will be one bottle or can that is recycled. Um, so I think this is a great idea. I love driving, you know, things towards a more green planet. And um, it's, it just so happens that apparently July is plastic free month. So if you can reuse instead of, uh, you know, recycle, that's even better. Um, but what I was thinking about too, is that, you know, this is a great initiative, um, on behalf of Coca-Cola, but I would love to see them do something reusable as well. So is there a play where Coca-Cola can sell something, you know, that is a reusable cup that can be refilled when you're thinking about a festival or whatever, you know, maybe something that's insulated that stays cold longer than even a plastic bottle or an aluminum can would. Um, something that has their branding on it as well, you know, but something that consumers can take home and reuse or take and refill. Um, maybe there's some type of a, you know, a special code that's on that reusable bottle that they could engage in as well. They're, you know, they've done a lot with codes in the past, whether it be for prizes or anything like that. But I mean, that would really give Coca-Cola a one-to-one -one relationship with a consumer and know how often they're reusing that bottle as well as uh, reduce the waste that they have from their cans. So that was my idea from the story, but um, I think that the story is good and, um, you know, it's a good effort by Coca-Cola. So. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a great effort. Um, and, and I love that they're using billboard advertising, you know, to drive, uh, you know, traffic to, to recycling uh, and try to drive people to recycle more. It's interesting because when I saw this story come out, just I think the day before I had seen a story from Pepsi. Um, and maybe it's because, as you say, it's it's July is 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 you know anti-plastic month or whatever. But uh, Pepsi's actually announced that next, starting next year, sometime they're going to be testing uh, their water, Aquafina, uh, in cans, and, and to see if uh, if they can get people off of plastic. And um, because when you look at recycling um, in the article that I'd read there, I just pulled it up now. It says that. Globally, only 9% of all plastic uh, made is recycled. By contrast, 67% of aluminum is recycled. So mm. um, that's interesting, right? Like that's really fascinating to me to, to see kind of the discrepancy in those numbers, right? And um, so the, the question then is, is, are people going to drink water from a can, right? Like, I don't know. Right. I mean, we drink LaCroix from a can, so yeah. you drink all kinds of things, right? I mean, we drink beer from a can. We drink, you know, people are drinking wine from a can. People are drinking, you know. Yeah. 
So, so I, I think it's, it's a mental leap that people have to make, but um, you know, if, if it can have that effect on recycling, then I think, you know, all the power to them. Right. I mean, I think Pepsi, all they have to do is just put on the can that, you know, what, what exactly that value proposition, nearly 67% of aluminum cans are recycled. Only 9% of plastic is recycled by aluminum. So, yep. There you go. And the aluminum company <laughs> will pay for it. <laughs> and Trump, probably Trump, like, you know, owns half of them anyways or whatever. So yeah. all good. Uh, all good. Um, all right. So that's uh, check it out though. If you're in Italy or you're in Bulgaria, uh, you know, and, and uh, you see one of these Coke uh, billboards uh, driving people to recycle, uh, let us know about it um, and what you think. So, all right. Our final uh, member news story this week uh, is about our friends at Sam's club. They have teamed up with Instacart uh, for delivery of course, uh, but specifically around alcohol delivery. Uh, so shoppers using Instacart can now receive same-day alcohol delivery. Uh, this is a limited service available in Florida, California, and Missouri uh, with plans to expand to other locations in the coming months. And uh, yeah, so, you know, Sam's Club, if you, if you have a membership there, uh, I used to have a Sam's Club membership uh, when they were in Canada. They're no longer in Canada, so that's gone. I'm all Costco now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they... Um, yeah, so the uh, they have a lot of alcohol options uh, basically that are available, and uh, you have to be uh, 21 or older, of course, um, to place an order uh, through this. Uh, ID is required uh, at checkout, and um, you have to present a, a valid uh, government ID at delivery as well uh, in order to receive this. And um, it's pretty straightforward, but um, you know, interesting. I think uh, I remember back when I was in uh, in university. Um, you know, and, and, uh, there's a lot of alcohol around, uh, you know, we used to have a service, uh, in town, uh, at the university of Waterloo called dial a bottle and you would literally like dial this phone number and somebody would pick up and they'd go to the beer store and, and buy the beer for you and deliver it. Um, um, yeah, I mean, not more complicated than that. This is long before we had online services and mobile apps and all that kind of stuff, you know, like Instacart to, to do this. So. Um, yeah, I think, uh, pretty simple, but, but pretty functional and, and useful at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I use Instacart a lot. So if I can, uh, throw in a bottle of wine while I'm ordering more milk for the kids, <laughs> I'm for it. I mean, I think Mama's milk. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm like, this is mommy's juice. Don't drink it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I think that this is, it's great. I, I think that when people are want convenience obviously alcohol is something that if you are drinking and you run out you're not going to hopefully you're not going to drive out to get more so uh having a feature like this i think keeps the road safer as well um and um, i'm sure that alcohol is a big part of sales for sam's club so it totally makes sense there you go all right and that's our show. You've been listening to episode number 422 of This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Uh, we thank you for listening and watching. If you want to reach out to us uh, with any feedback or story ideas, contact information, if you're watching the video, is at the end of the show here. Uh, of course, we're easily found on uh, social media platforms and LinkedIn and things like that. 
so you can find us. But uh, thank you. Uh, we appreciate it. We'll be back, of course, uh, next week with episode 423. Have a great week, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.